Praise the Lord. Biblos Network, we are so glad uh, that you have decided to join us tonight. We're glad that you have come and decided to sit down and talk about the great things of God. It's been a busy week for us here at First Pentecostal Church. It's been a busy day. We have had a funeral here. We have had Bible studies. We have had meetings all throughout the day. There, last Tuesday night, we had great church, the ministry of uh, Brother uh, Joseph Boggs and Brother Ari Prado, both of them West Coast, Northwest guys. And two people got the Holy Ghost on Tuesday. One person got baptized. We had a great time. And I trust that God is helping you where you are. Uh, it's a great time of blessing. It's a great season of blessing. And it's a good time to be apostolic. And we're glad you're here. We're glad you came to to talk about the things of God. You know, when we started Biblos, one of the things that we wanted to accomplish was to bring the apostolic community into the living room and sit down and talk about the scripture. Years ago in our home, my father cultivated this kind of a dynamic, my brother, my sister, myself. And now it will be our extended family and our our extended relatives, we'll sit down and we will talk about the things of God, talk about the promises of God, scriptures that we've read, things that we have seen, and very importantly, rejoice in the things of God. The Bible is a, a profound resource. It is an unsearchable depth. And when, when a person takes the time to look into it, and hence the name Biblos, or the books, or the book, we want to encourage people to celebrate the word of God, read the word of God. Deuteronomy 6 says to talk about it when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, it'll be as frontlets between your eyes. Bind it for a sign upon your hand. Teach it diligently unto your children. And so that is our hope. That is our prayer that we can help cultivate that, help foster that with this generation. And thank you to everybody that has reached out. We've had so many people reach out to us, and we have reports from out of the country, in Europe, in Asia, people in Africa. The Internet is an amazing resource, and in just a few moments of time, you can reach all over the globe. And, and what a time we're living in. What a time to be able to share the gospel, the oneness of God, the mighty God in Christ. Acts 2.38, repentance baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. What a, what a time to preach this message all over the world. And we are trying to do our part here in Durham, North Carolina. And we're glad you're here. We're glad you came to talk with us. Um, I wanted to title this week's session, A Message to Timothy. A Message to Timothy. I, I actually got a question <clears throat> from a young man this is for Garrett. Garrett sent in a, a question for me, and I want to take, a, take the time to read it. Here's what he said. Hello, Pastor Urshan. My name's Garrett. I had the privilege of meeting you at Peak Conference this past year. Peak is a great conference. It was an honor. First off, just want to say that I deeply appreciate the work you do in the kingdom. We are truly blessed to have great soldiers in the faith such as yourself. Thank you, Garrett. It's an honor to work with you and other men like you. 
I wanted to reach out regarding a topic that I'd love to hear discussed. I'm in the early stages of my ministry. I'm working closely with my pastor. I'd love to hear a session, two young ministers discussing a variety of topics. Topics like the spiritual or mental battles that we face, tips to furthering my ministry, as well as practical tips, such as how to efficiently study the Bible. I know this would mean very much to myself as well as many others that are looking to serve in the kingdom. God bless you, sir. Well, well said. And Garrett, let's talk about it. And Garrett is a kind of a Timothy. Paul spoke to a young minister, a young man named Timothy. And he gave him words. He gave him counsel. He, he spent time talking about the things of the Lord with him to, to further it into the next generation. This thing is supposed to endure to all generations. And so let's take some time and talk about that. Um, you're in the early stages of your ministry and you're working closely with your pastor. That's a big deal, guys. Working with your pastor is a big deal. Here at Biblos, we believe in working with pastors. We were trained by pastors. A pastor is a shepherd. It's, it's, a, it's a leader who, who leads the flock and who shows them how to, how to do the work of God, how to serve God, how to live for God. And so we believe in working closely with a pastor and find the time to connect with your pastor. If you do not have a pastor, find a pastor. Do not try to do the work of God without leadership and guidance from someone who has the mind of God, who will watch over your soul and who will help you. Pastors are an indispensable part of a young minister's life. Um, and I'll say this before I launch into the rest of what I'm going to talk about. We're living in a world that really attacks the office of the pastor. And, and I know that there, there have been abuses and those abuses are magnified by the media. They like to really showcase that. Uh, and unfortunately in some denominations and some religions, it is deserved because there is abuse. Spiritual abuse is a real thing. And, I will say finding a true man of God who has the true heartbeat of God is a great treasure. And if you find someone that has that as their guiding mindset, as the heartbeat of their ministry, hang on to them with both hands. If you get pulled away somehow, if you get an offer for $3 more an hour at some far off place, don't take it. Uh, unless it's obviously the will of God and you've consulted with your pastor. Having a godly leader who truly watches out for you, a godly shepherd who is, who is watching and helping you, it cannot be overstated how important that is. And it is worth the world to have a godly leader. Um, I have been the beneficiary of having great pastors that watched over my soul, and I am who I am because of shepherds that watched over my life and spoke into my life. And I thank God for the men of God and their wives that have helped me as a young minister. So that is a big deal, Timothy. Um, as a young minister, I, I'm going to give you some, some things that helped shape who I was. And, and I'm going to start very, very simply. You know, uh, ministry is a big deal. First of all, know that when you are asking about ministry, know you're asking about servanthood. A minister is a servant. It's not an entitled person. It's not 
a glamorous thing. Um, sometimes people make the mistake of seeing a minister in the pulpit and assuming that the life of a minister is very glamorous. <laughs> Nothing could be further from the truth. And any minister worth his salt is going to tell you that it is not about bright lights and big crowds. It is about servanthood. And if a person seeks the bright lights and the big crowds, they are not a servant. They are not a true minister and their ministry will not flourish in the long run. Ministry begins in secret. Ministry begins like Elisha with Elijah who washed the hands of the prophet who followed him from Gilgal to Jericho to Bethel, following the man of God, helping the man of God. Um, you're, you're learning as you are walking with him. You are, you are um, picking up his ways, picking up his mannerisms, picking up his his mode of ministry. I can tell the many times the minister that other young men trained under, I can hear it in their voice. I can see it in the decisions that they make. A great pastor is going to weed out those that are insincere and those that do not, do not place the right priorities in their life. So submit to a pastor, submit to leadership, submit to men of God who will guide you and help you and give you the necessary tools to succeed in your ministry. Um, one of the first things I will tell you is prayer is one of the greatest things you can do. Become a person of prayer. To step into a pulpit without prayer is to violate the office of a ministry. And I'll even say before a pulpit ever materializes, Going into a Bible study needs to be prayer-filled. You need to be saturated with prayer. You need to be praying an hour a day at a minimum. You need to be waking up in the morning. And I teach young ministers, pray first thing. When you wake up in the morning, tithe your time to God. Give God the first fruits of your day. Before, before the day is taken off, before you've gotten on your phone, before you've read the news or, or done anything, hit the ground praying. Hit the ground with hallelujah and thank you Jesus on your lips and get up and go forward and begin to pray and call on the name of the Lord. Begin the day with prayer. In the day with prayer. Be a person of prayer. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. Um, what does that mean? Does that mean that you just pray nonstop all day long and just let words come out of your mouth all day? No, it's not what it means. It means that you do pray you take time to read uh, and to pray and to commit yourself to prayer. And then once that dedicated time of prayer in the morning is done and perhaps other very uh, various intervals throughout the day, you will pray. You stay in a state of prayer where you are aware, where you are prayerful, where the connection to heaven is strong. This, this is a big deal. This is one of the greatest deals. When you pray, great things happen. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so in the book of James, when it describes that, it talks about Elias praying this prayer and, and sending out his servant to go look for the cloud the size of a man's hand. Well, there had to be a servant there to run and go look and see while the man of God prayed. That servant is a, is a minister. It's a young minister that is attending to the needs 
of the leader, of the pastor. So be that servant. Be that Elisha to that Elijah. Be that Gehazi to that Elisha and make the right decisions. Hear the man of God. Take heed to what he's telling you and God will bless you for that. He will bless you. So become a man of prayer. Become a, a person of prayer. Um, <clears throat> now this is going to sound you know, maybe like I'm being kind of obvious or simple, but I am telling you there's nothing more important than these first two things. The second thing that I'm going to tell you is to become a man of the word. You need the word of the Lord to become a pillar in your life, a cornerstone of your life. You need to, you need to, I, I, I encourage people to pray first and then read the Bible. I'm not saying that's a hard and fast rule, but I, I have found in my ministry that I, I need to break up the fallow ground of my mind before I go into prayer. So the first thing I'll do is I will pray for 30 minutes to an hour in the morning. I will then sit down and read for 30 minutes to an hour. And what I will do during that time while I'm praying, I'm breaking up the fallow ground. What does that mean? Well, in agriculture, farmers know, grounds keepers know that the fallow ground is ground that has become hard packed. It's, it's hard pan. It's, the, it's that the, the rain has fallen on it and the sun has beaten upon it and formed a crust, a hard outer crust. You don't want to throw seed onto that hard outer crust. You want to break that up and get down into what is called the loam of the soil. You want to turn over the hard crust into the soft, receptive loam of the earth. This is the dark earth. This is the part of the earth that can receive the seed. So I have found that when I sit down and I just read, I, I get a benefit from it. Anytime that you read the word of God, you're going to get a benefit. But there is nothing like breaking up my mind, my emotions, my 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 day, my routine, breaking up the hardness of the routinization of my day. If I've slept all through the night, I like to turn over the earth of my mind. I like to make myself sensitive and vulnerable to the word of the Lord. Um, that allows a person to then sit down with the Bible, sit down with the scripture and begin to read the word of God begin to take in the word of God and the seed begins to hit that freshly turned soil, it, that prayerful mind, that spiritual mind, that mind given to humility. The Bible says with meekness we receive the engrafted word which is able to save our soul. So I find to a young minister I would say that prayer breaks up the fallow ground, the word is the seed that can be received into that fallow ground. And that is where I find reception. That is where it penetrates the deepest. It's where I really retain it. Now, once a person has done that, I would encourage them to get a journal, get a prayer journal, get a, get a, a Bible journal. You know, for years I carried a little leather bound journal in a pouch of my Bible case. And I would wear that Thompson chain Bible out and then I would write down the thoughts that came to me. So as I was reading, something would occur to me, a thought would flash through my mind. I would pick up pen 
and put it to paper and I would begin to write what God gave me. And I have journal after journal after journal of thoughts. Even the thoughts that seem silly or the thoughts that seem kind of <laughs> just maybe that they didn't apply in, uh, in some way, it mattered to me at the moment. So I would date the page and I would then begin to write. And I would, I would write down the thoughts that came to me as I read the word and after I had prayed. Well, all, I noticed that all of a sudden this world of thinking and, and thought began to open to me. And I did not know it at the time. I now know it as a seasoned minister. That was God speaking to me. God was talking into my heart. He was speaking into my life. And without the prayer, I couldn't hear him. And without the word, I didn't know his voice. And so I began to write it down. What I was doing was capturing the thoughts. You know, and, and if you'll remember in the parable of the sower, the Bible says that a sower went forth to sow seed. He sowed some of the, uh, the seed by the wayside and the, the fowls of the air, the birds of the air came and devoured that seed. So it's sitting there on the side of the road. It can't penetrate. It can't get down in there. And so the birds come. And later on, Jesus told the disciples, that is the devil. He comes and he takes the seed and devours it. And you forget what it was you read. And the seed has no effect. The seed is taken away and devoured. When I would write in the journal and when I would speak to God, I would write down what God was speaking into my heart. And I would capture those thoughts. I wouldn't let them get away. Once you get a thought, and every minister will tell you this, when you get a thought, write it down. Don't say to yourself, oh, I'll get it later. Oh, I'll remember it later. Many times you won't. You will totally forget it, and you will forget a wonderful thing God gave you because the fowls of the air devour it. So take the time to write down the word of God. Take the time to capture it, put it to paper, so that later on you can come back and you can write it down. Another way of describing that is like when the disciples took the bread that Jesus had broken, went out to uh, the multitude, fed the multitude the pieces of the bread, and in doing that, they fed the people. When it was over, they came back and gathered up the fragments that nothing be lost. So that's another way of saying capture the thought, capture the leftovers, and, and, and do that with messages you've heard preached. When you hear great messages, take notes. Um, now with the internet and with you know, podcasts and here with Biblos, take a moment and write it down. Uh, now, I, I don't use a handwritten journal anymore. Now I, I've got an iPad and I've got a, an, I, what they call an Apple pen and I can write in there. I can type on a keyboard into my notes app and I, I do keep track of those thoughts and that's how I capture them today. And I've got them dated and I, I go back and I peruse them and God speaks to me and I develop messages through that and I, I collect my thoughts that way. So break up the fallow ground and sow the seed into that freshly upturned earth and then finally capture that thought capture what God is speaking into your heart and you will find that God will begin to speak to you now this gives a young minister a a prayerfulness a spiritual mind versus a carnal mind you have to be consecrated you have to be uh, dedicated and I will tell you, do this diligently. The scripture says that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So 
I can remember when I was younger, I would actually set a clock to go off at 30 minutes and I would not stop praying until that 30 minutes was fulfilled. That's how I began. And I, I, I then would set it again for another 30 minutes and that's what I would read. That's how, that was the time that I would give to reading. That was when I was very young. And I found that that regimen disciplined my mind. It disciplined me to that daily intake. Revelation is not going to come from one big burst because you got inspired at a revival. And so you go home and you read from eight in the morning till noon and now you're an apostle. That's not how revelation and talking to God works, but it is incremental over time. It is, it is the gradual and continual application of the word. And one place said, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. That is how God will speak to his people. That is who he will make to understand doctrine. And that's the method he will use. You'll find that you'll read something in Psalms that triggers something in Matthew and something in Matthew that then now is spoken of in Hebrews. And, and you'll find yourself developing a dexterity in the word of God. You'll begin to learn to handle the word of God. You'll begin to um, uh, develop a familiarity to the word of the Lord. It's, you don't want to be going into ministry without knowing the word of the Lord. So it, it's kind of important to be a good Christian before you're a good minister. <laughs> I actually have met some ministers that weren't the greatest Christians, but they were very gifted ministers. And that, brother, that, Timothy, is a recipe for trouble. If you become lifted up with pride, if you are a novice, the Bible says you can fall into the condemnation of the devil. So you definitely want to take that time, develop your ministry, develop your prayer life, develop your study life, and get the word of God inside of you. You can't know the voice of God if you aren't familiar with his word. I don't care how many visions you have. I don't care how many words of knowledge you have. I don't care if you think you're in, uh, working in every gift of the Spirit all at the same time. If you don't have the word of God, you do not have the mind of God. Everything starts with the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Your DNA is one big long word. And getting that word down inside of you will begin to show you the, the, the knowledge of God, the thoughts of God. And you'll begin to see the patterns of God. So, Develop that consistency on a daily basis. Develop that consistent, prayerful, consecrated walk with God. Those are the rivets that hold the boat together, that hold the plane together. I was on a, on a Delta airplane not too long ago, and as I walked in, I, I looked at the, the, the fuselage. I looked at the, the outer shell, the outer casing of the plane, and the rivets on that were so precise. They were so well done, so manicured, painted just so, very precise, very concise. But the greatest of ships is held together by the smallest rivets. That's the truth. The greatest, the greatest boats, the greatest airplanes, the, the, the greatest 
collection of parts that become a greater whole is held together by the tiniest rivets. And prayer, Bible study, consecration, and fasting are the rivets that hold those things together. <clears throat> fasting is a big part of a young minister's life, of a minister's life. Fasting is there to kill carnal appetite. It's there to crucify flesh. You have to be able to say no to appetite. You have to be able to say no to carnality and carnal desires. What the Bible calls the affections and the lusts of the flesh. So you have to be willing to push the plate away or, or push whatever it is you're desiring away and deny yourself. The Bible doesn't just say take up your cross. It says deny yourself and take up the cross. If there's anything that comes before God, deny it. Most of the time that's food, but it can sometimes be uh, social media. It can be the internet. It can be, it can be coffee. It could be whatever thing that you feel to give up at that time. But the, the most basic thing is food. And that crucifies lusts. It crucifies ego and pride. It, it, it crucifies worldliness as the time that you had been giving to eating is now dedicated to the study of the word of God and, and the prayer. And you engage in spiritual consumption over natural consumption. So many of you know this out there, but there are many young ministers who do not practice this. This is the work of God and it prepares your mind and it, it gets you into the right mindset and, and hearing the voice of the shepherd. So Timothy, not only these, these are basics. These are things that are non-negotiable. You don't want to be preaching or ministering without these things in place. Just like I wouldn't want to fly in an airplane that the rivets weren't down tight, weren't bolted tight. I don't want loose rivets. I don't want loose screws. Um, whatever they say, uh, I don't want to have a screw loose. <laughs> I want to be fitly framed together. I want to be put together by the spirit. I want God to direct me. And the scripture says the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. His word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. And I'm stunned by people that don't give an adequate amount of time and energy to these pursuits. The Bible says, make full proof of your ministry. This is a big deal, guys. And a person, a minister that will not take the time to invest in these things is not qualified to be a minister. Then there's the work of God. Um, let's talk about <clears throat> where do we start? Do we, do we wait for that opportunity? Do we wait for our pastor to call on us? Do we hope and hope and hope he's going to put us in the pulpit? Do we go to a conference and carefully position ourselves to meet with other preachers and network? Well, that's how the world does it. And that's how ambitious people might do it. But that is not what I recommend for a minister. I recommend beginning to minister to the lost. Look for the opportunities in your city to begin to teach Bible studies. True ministry begins ministering to the lost. I, I can remember going and, and beginning to knock on doors. I, I did my little survey. I met people, I talked with people. 
And I developed experience. I was rejected over and over and over again. People said, no, no, no. You develop thick skin (laughs) while you're out there. If you are easily offended, if you are too proud, it will knock the stuffing out of you. It did me. It will humble you in a heartbeat. You will face the rejection of the ungodly. And it's a great thing for a young minister. You need it. You need to know where the rubber meets the road. You need to know what that rejection feels like. And out of so many rejections, I then began to find the hungry. I found the sincere. I found those that were open and receptive to the things of God. I can remember one young lady. I I had actually taken a a minister friend of mine out. He said, he said, Nathaniel, this doesn't work. What you're doing doesn't work. You need to be uh, doing other things. You'll never build a church the way you're doing it. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, door knocking doesn't work. Talking to people, you know, cold turkey like that. It doesn't work. I've tried it. It's never worked. I said, you come with me and let's try it. So I took my little Bible survey and I took my flyers and my clipboard and we went out for about an hour and a half. We got rejected. We got rejected. We met with people. We talked with people. We were probably out for about 45 minutes and we knocked on a door and a young lady answered and she looked at me and I said, hi, I'm here to talk to you about our church and I want to give you this Bible survey. Would you be interested in taking it? And she looked at me and said, I prayed this morning that God would send somebody to my house. This morning I prayed this prayer. I am at my wit's end and I need God. I was stunned. It doesn't usually happen like that. And I I wonder sometimes if God used that to testify to my friend. Well, once I felt that, when I have felt that before, I took that opportunity. When, the, when God gives you those moments, every Holy Ghost instinct inside of you should kick into gear. And I looked at it, I saw it, I seized that opportunity, and I said, I am the man of God. I am here to tell you the things of God. Can I pray for you? She said, please pray for me. I laid hands on her, and I began to pray. She began to weep, and she started speaking in tongues right there on her doorstep. God filled her with the Holy Ghost after praying for for maybe three minutes. Now, guys, that doesn't happen hardly at all. That, that is not a normal occurrence. But when I got finished praying that girl through to the Holy Ghost on her doorstep in Fort Myers, Florida, I looked at my friend and his eyes were as big as silver dollars. They, he couldn't believe what he'd just seen. And I couldn't really believe it either. It was an unbelievable outpouring of the Holy Ghost. She came to church. We baptized her in Jesus' name. And, and my friend came and said, I'm so sorry. I can't believe what I just saw. I, I, I'm speechless. And then truly I was too. But God was showing him and giving him an example. And I was just fortunate to be there that God would do that for us. And that young lady, God mightily touched her right there at, in her doorstep. So this is an example of getting into the work of God. I walk the streets of my city. I I talk to people. I witness to people. I lost my bashfulness. I lost uh, a lot of my introversion. I'm actually an introvert. 
by nature. If you've ever uh, had an extended conversation with me, I, sometimes I'll struggle with what to say. <clears throat> that is until we jump into some topic that I, I really am passionate about. But I lost a lot of that introversion. I realized that God would use me. The gifts of the Spirit began to work through me. I began to grow very sensitive to the Holy Ghost, sensitive to where people were at. I learned to seize the moment. I can remember uh, one time I was, I was um, in South Haven, and there was a, a restaurant. We were sitting in a, a, Mexican a Mexican restaurant eating lunch, and Spencer Jordan and Jimmy Schmidt were there with me. Um, I think Aaron Durham might have been there too. I can't remember. And a young man came to our table and he was selling CDs, kind of panhandling CDs, and he was a rapper. He said, I want to I know if you want to buy one of my CDs. And I looked at him and I looked at him and we were eating lunch. And really, if, if the proprietors had known he was doing that, they, they probably wouldn't have allowed him to do that. They might have kicked him out. But I saw something in this young guy, and I, I, I don't know why I said this. I didn't plan on saying this, but I said, no, I don't want to buy one of your CDs. And I, I realized that could sound a little rude, so I, I quickly amended that. And I said, but I do have something for you. I said, do you know what the gospel is? That he, he was shocked. He said, no, I, well, what do you mean? And I began to tell him the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Well, we talked for probably five or 10 minutes, and finally, when it was done, I said to him, what would stop you from obeying the gospel right now? He said, nothing. I said, well, there's no time like the present. So we got up out of that chair. We got out into the parking lot. We threw him in the car with us. We drove to the church and we prayed to repentance on the spot. We baptized him in Jesus' name on the spot. Later on, I found out he came back to church and got a, a great touch of the Holy Ghost, got into Bible study. That happened at lunch at a Mexican restaurant just a couple years ago. You never know what Book of Acts moment is going to begin to work in your life. And this is significant. If you are going to get up and preach or minister or, or work in any kind of capacity like that, you need to have something to say. You need the experience to back that up. And someone shouldn't be preaching to others what they have not done themselves. So I find that if a person's not involved in Book of Acts work, if they're not involved in Bible studies, if they're not involved in winning the loss to God and they're up there preaching to people that they should do it, it's not going to fly. You can't give something you don't have and something you haven't developed. And this is crucial, guys. You've got to do the work of God. So get into the buses. Get out on the bus route. Get a handful of flyers. Don't sit there and stare longingly at your pastor, hoping he'll give you three minutes in the pulpit. Don't do that. Go out into the community and preach Jesus to those that need it. <clears throat> a lot of people are waiting to preach in nursing homes and and other venues, and that's fine, that's great. Anywhere there's hungry people, it's gonna be great. I know people that have great nursing home ministries, great jail ministries, but I will tell you, there's nothing like getting out into the streets of your community. Find a, a challenged area in your city and go win the lost. That is where I encourage young ministers to begin. 
You will not have to beg for an opportunity to preach. Opportunities to preach will come to you. Your gift will make room for itself. Men will recognize, women will recognize the grace of God that is at work in your life. And the more accomplished you become at the work of God, the more doors and venues begin to open for you. And if preaching is a part of your ministry, it will begin to open. A pastor will begin to use you to speak, will begin to give you opportunities. You'll begin to share your testimonies. You'll begin to testify about what God has done. But testifying in a pulpit should be preceded by testifying in the streets. That is my strong recommendation. We do not need proud prima donnas that have never done the work of God. We have far too many chiefs and not enough Indians. You've got to get out into the highways and byways and do the work of the Lord. And then you'll have something to say. You'll have something to testify about. There's nothing that will supercharge a congregation more than a miracle that just took place. And God wants to do miracles. He wants to heal somebody. He wants somebody to get the Holy Ghost. He wants the miraculous to take place. So, these are some of the things that I recommend. Um, now, I know I've been talking here for a little while, so let's talk about some of the spiritual and mental battles that you'll face. I will tell you that one of the most powerful things that you will face is temptation. Um, there will be temptation that begins to afflict you. The devil will work on you and will tempt you. He will tempt you with um, sin. He will tempt you with wickedness. Um, uh, unfortunately, our world is filled with sensuality, fornication, adultery, homosexuality. It is filled with sexual perversion. And so a man of God, a woman of God that wants to be used in any capacity has got to consecrate themselves. You've got to crucify yourself daily. I die daily. Cut off the external stimuli of Hollywood Eliminate Hollywood completely from your life. Throw out televisions, throw out movies, throw them all out. Clean your life out. Stop letting the trash of the world influence your thinking. Never let Hollywood seep its way into your mind, let alone your conversation and your ministry. God forbid. The, the, the ideologies of Hollywood are completely antithetical and completely against the things of God. Everything God stands for, Hollywood is against, and vice versa. And, and, and along with that comes what, what the Bible calls the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And there are far too many examples of people uh, growing weak, not praying, not staying consecrated, not staying what we used to call uh, prayed up, studied up, fasted up. Don't let yourself drift. Don't grow cold. Don't grow carnal, but stay on fire for the things of God. In the Old Testament, one of the basic jobs of the Levites was to keep the candlesticks filled with oil. Once in the morning, they would fill it with oil. Once in the evening, they would fill it with oil. And the Bible says that was so that there may be a perpetual burning in the house of God. Now, <clears throat> this is a powerful shadowing type. It's a powerful foreshadowing of staying full of the Holy Ghost, staying full of prayer, staying, staying full of a consecrated mindset. That, that is 
That is something that every minister, the Levites did it in an Old Testament form, and you should do it, I should do it on a daily basis, sometimes many times a day. Fill your lamp with oil. That's another way of saying fill your life with prayerfulness and the Holy Ghost. Stay filled with oil. If you're full of oil, the fire will, will burn. If the fire goes out, you'll notice when in the scripture talks about Eli and it talks about um, the Ark of the Covenant being taken. That's an Old Testament way of saying the presence of the Lord had departed. It says that the lamp of God had gone out. They stopped filling with oil. They stopped filling it with, with the oil in the morning and the evening. Most backsliding is not because the devil's powerful or because temptation's so strong. It's because people stop praying. They stop putting in the time. They stop spending the time in prayer, study, meditation. Meditation's another thing. It's one thing to read the Word of God. It's another thing to meditate in the Word of God. So the Bible says, in this law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. It brings forth fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That's Psalms chapter 1. It's the godly man. So meditation is a big part of that. So meditate, pray, study, fast. Fill your lamp on a daily basis. Let the light burn brightly. Push back the darkness of lust and greed and selfishness and ego and pride. Let the word of God lead you and guide you. Let it be a bright light. Those will banish the thoughts, the temptations, the unclean spirits that whisper into your mind, the things that attack you in your dreams. When you wake up and your mind has been in a vulnerable state and maybe you've dreamed something you that you really aren't comfortable with or you're ashamed of, you get up rebuking the devil in Jesus' name and you start calling on the name of the Lord that morning. And that night before you go to bed, Ask God, cover my mind, surround my mind with angels. Help me, God, and keep me while I'm asleep and while my mind is vulnerable. And God will do it. Be in that prayerful state of mind. Be in, in that filled way of living. And when, when the Lord returns, he's going to come for people who, whose lamps are full, whose wicks are trimmed, and who are anxiously awaiting the return of the bridegroom. So, you know, follow your pastor, get involved with your local church, win the lost, do the work of God, become a person of prayer, become a person of, of the word, become a person of action. Don't talk about it. Do it. Don't sit in a coffee shop and talk with your friends about it. Get out and do it. Do something that God can show himself strong through you and you will have a testimony and you will begin to do the work of a minister. This is servanthood, this is ministry, and this is a message for Timothy. So Garrett, I hope that helps you. Um, you will find that this will further your ministry. This will open doors for you. And these will be doors that God opens. You will stand before great men. They will recognize the gift that's in you. Your pastor will depend on you. The church will recognize you. The scripture says of David that he went out. He came in and he went out in front of the people. It says of Jesus that he grew in wisdom and stature in the sight of God and man. People will see it. People will recognize it. And people will provide opportunities. And so will God. So these are some of the tips 
I would tell a young Timothy. I hope that is a help to you. This is not just for just, you know, preachers. It's for anybody who wants to become productive and busy about the king's business. I hope that helps you. Until next time, God bless you, God keep you, and God cause his face to shine upon you.